You've just entered a safe, relaxed, and open forum where you can allow your imagination to take you places you normally dare not go. Welcome to The Fourth Dimension with Toby C., where we discuss evil resistance in the early efforts of sobriety. Here's Toby. Oh boy, do I have an exciting show for you today. I got the son of a celebrity who ended up in recovery. Imagine that. I want to welcome Paul W. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Good, Toby. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. How many people do you think, Paul, just at first blush, uh, end up in recovery because they're living in the shadow of a celebrity or, or somebody with just a dynamic personality or even a narcissist? What do you think? Uh, probably the majority. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I agree. Really, I mean, you know, I would say that I've been in treatment with many celebrity kids, uh, ki- children of celebrities, there countless. You, yes, there you go. Um, so, what we're going to do today, if you're just joining us here on the Fourth Dimension, um, this show you're going to hear us. This is a, a recovery show, but we're not going to be talking about the subject of God, when you hear a lot about God, only God could and would if he were sought, and, and we're just going to go on and on about God, but there's also the the antithesis of God, and we're going to be talking about this energy, this malevolent energy, and you can call it whatever you want. You can call it the devil, you can call it Satan, you can call it the evil one, whatever you want to call it. Paul, do you believe in the evil one? Absolutely, I do. Yeah. And uh, have you had a few evil experiences in, in early recovery? I've had numerous, numerous oh, experiences. Beautiful. We're going to be mashing out a few of his, his, his greatest hits, if you will, during this hour. And uh, we called those ghost stories. You know, who doesn't like a good ghost story? But uh, let me just hit the highlights here real quick before we start uh, uh, turning everything over to Paul here. I want to make sure that... Uh, that everybody understands, at least uh, who's listening to this show and in the confines of this show, that uh, the devil is real and the devil does exist and the devil is external. It's not your ego, okay? It's, it's Satan is the fallen angel and, and, he, and it exists, okay? I want to be clear about that. If you think that God exists and God is external, then, then, then certainly there's the, the antithesis of that. There's the opposite. There's the yin and the yang. Okay. So I want to be clear about that. And, and again, we're not here to make any demonstrations of evil. We, we merely want you to believe that the devil may be interfering in your ability to, to get better in early recovery. That's why you're listening. And that's what you're going to get out of this show over the next hour with Toby C and Paul W. Okay. And, um, and I'm going to, Leave it at that. Want to do a quick warm up with Paul? Paul, go ahead and um, go ahead and out out your your celebrity um, figure that you grew up in the shadow of, and and tell us uh, what it was like briefly. Um, well, to begin with, uh, his name's Joseph Wamba. He's he, he's many of you would not have heard of him today. People under fifty may very well not have heard of him, but back in the day, in the early seventies. He became an overnight a household name, basically. He, he, he wrote books, all number one best-selling novels, which he turned immediately into motion pictures. He was a former and, LAPD cop? Yes, he was a homicide detective. Mm-hmm. And, and, and wrote books and, and movies and, and the whole deal. That's correct. 
and we went from one lifestyle, a very middle class, and a cop salary. One day, and within a month, we were we lived in a in a mansion in a, a suburb of Los Angeles, where we had a maid, a nanny, a live-in gardeners, and so the, it was a dramatic change for all of us. Wow, wow! And you were adopted, correct? Yes, that's there, correct. There and um, so, and again, I don't want to dwell too much on this because again, the show is about you know, you know, not how we got to the bottom, but kind of what happened once we try to get off the bottom. But again. Um, what do you think? Uh, I noticed that you got some 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 tattoos. T- tell tell me about your tattoos. Uh, these tattoos actually. Uh, so I I was in institutionalized pretty much from the time I was sixteen up until forty two years of age, and I've been through countless treatment facilities. And even after going to state prison for a brief period, I still had no tattoos. It was after after prison when I got these tattoos and. And they're very visible. He's got them on his arms, and they're like in your face, and and they're for a reason. Tell us about them. Uh, Well, when my son was fourteen, he was he was playing football, basketball, baseball. He was a big time uh, athlete. And when he was fourteen years old, he was playing varsity football, varsity everything. And he said, "Dad, a lot of my my homies have tattoos. Can I get a tattoo?" And I said, "No, you can't. But when you're eighteen." I'll get a tattoo with you. I'll be happy to drive you to the tattoo parlor of your choosing, and you can get a tattoo, as many tattoos as you want. And I I promise I'll get one also with you. So his 18th birthday came around, and he said, Dad, I have an appointment at Avalon Tattoo Parlor down in Ocean Beach. Are you ready to go? And I said, I forgot all about that promise I made. And so I said, Jake, I had thought that you would mature enough from 14 to this day to the point where you would not want any tattoos. is They're terrible. I mean, nobody wants. You're going to have to live with those things for the rest of your life. And I could see the disappointment and the distrust and the, you know, the disappointment in him. And I said, Jake, I can't, look, I've been, I've been in rehab and mental hospitals and jails and prison my whole life, and I still don't have tattoos. That's saying something. That means they're no good if I even didn't even get them. So please don't, let's not get tattoos. He said, Dad, I'm getting tattoos. So I brought him to this tattoo parlor. He got all tatted up. He's tattooed all over his body, head to toe. And so that, did that bring about your first tattoo? Yes, it did, because our relationship was distanced, and I could tell that he was, uh, you know, he was upset with me, yeah. and he, 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 he separated. He distanced himself from me. Yeah. So what's your first tattoo say? Uh, the first tattoo is a picture, a picture of my son that runs the length of my forearm here, and it says Bear Cub. That's his, that's his picture when he was six months old. Beautiful. And, but the, how that came about is about a year after he was sort of distancing himself, he, I said, Jake, something's wrong in our relationship. You know how much I love you and I, I support you and I adore you. And um, I feel like there's something a wedge between us or something. It, it, it saddens me greatly. And um, I said, this doesn't have to do anything with that tattoo shit, does it? And he said, no, nah, don't worry about it, Dad. I said, let me ask you this question then. If I got a tattoo right now, would you love me more? Would you love me more? Would you love me again like you did before? And he said, Dad, no, you don't have to do that. I really, I said, that wasn't the question. The question was if I went and got a tattoo. He said, Dad, I'm not saying that you have to, but that would be badass. There you go. There you go. Beautiful. Hey, by the way, because we got to keep it moving along, you have a very visible tattoo, um, and, and it's got one word hyphenated, if you will, at times, 
Tell us about that one word, that bold tattoo that you have there on your right arm there, Paul. The intention of this tattoo, it says bipolar, runs the very dark ink in about almost two inches wide. And, or yeah, it runs the length of my forearm. And I got this initially because I wanted to help other, people's who are, other people who are suffering from some type of a mental illness. And if I walked around the world with this tattoo, that maybe th- these people who suffer in silence and live in the darkness of mental illness and don't have the courage to come forward because of the, the rejection, the ridicule, the criticism – and every other negative thing that they're going to face if they, if they came forward with this issue that, hey, I'm mentally ill. There you go. They're, they're going to have a lot of consequences to suffer. There you go. And that's a good example of the ghost stories that we're going to be talking about this hour with Paul W. We're going to be talking about not only what it's like to grow up in the shadow of a celebrity and be uh, rejected, if you will. Okay, that's a form of rejection, to be discounted and, 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 to be, uh, and, to, and to be overprivileged, if you will, to kind of compensate for that type of neglect, if you will. But we're also going to talk about being misdiagnosed or being undiagnosed. How about that? And, and those, and I can't think of anything more resistant, in especially when we try to get off the bottom, okay? We all know how we get to the bottom, but it's about getting off the bottom that we're really going to dwell down this hour with Paul. By the way, if you're just joining us, we're here with Paul W., the son of a celebrity, uh, book uh, bestseller, uh, writer, and uh, movie producer. And, um, and, and we're going to be talking about the ghost stories of, of celebrity rejection and psychotropic journeys that some of us should take and some of us should not take. How about that? Are you ready to do that for us this hour? What do you think, Paul? Absolutely. You have them locked I'm and ready. loaded? Yes. Yeah. By the way, uh, where are you from originally? Um, from uh, San Marino. San Marino? Uh, yeah. Outside of, next to Pasadena. Mm-hmm. And you're down here in the Palm Springs area now? Yes, Palm Desert. Yeah, right on. And um, what do you think? Uh <clears throat> What year was your first rehab? My first rehab was in how, a, how old were you? This is oh, I was uh, nineteen. Nineteen years old. Yes. And um, were you just out of control with drugs and alcohol? Yes. Or, uh, or, actually, my brother was killed in a. In, he had a, and I don't know if it was a suicide or if it was just a, an accident. But he and his best friend drove off a cliff in Mexico, and they were both killed. And it was after that I really sort of lost my lost touch with reality. And, and I started drinking and using very heavily, and I lived on Skid Row up in Los Angeles, uh, Fifth and Wall, the old school Skid Row. Talking about just checking out, giving up. Yes, I did. You know? So I went to treatment that right, right after that for my first time. There you go. And again, sometimes, you know, the, the man takes the drink, and eventually the drink takes the man. And quite often... And I'm sure you're going to be weaving this into your ghost stories in the next few segments here, Paul, that uh, we have an overwhelming compulsion to drink. We have a darn good reason to drink, whether it's our brother driving off a cliff in Mexico and and unexpectedly, traumatically, the the loss of of that, or growing up again in the shadow of a celebrity and, and losing our identity. You know the battle cry, what about me? 
Do you remember that? Absolutely. You remember that battle cry, Paul? All too well. You know, and I think so many people, so many of us, that was that was Toby's story too. What about me? Yeah. You know, I have a voice. I have feelings. Sure. I have an identity. I'm not just so and so's son. That's right. Do you remember that? Absolutely. They had trouble calling you Paul, didn't you? You were Joseph Wambaugh's son, weren't you? Yes, I was never re- 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 truly referred to as, de- as Paul. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think out there in, in, um, in the World Wide Web? If you're listening here and you're having trouble in early recovery, it might be, it might be because you still have a reason to get loaded and you haven't overcome those compulsions. And those fears, and we're going to be talking about those. And those fears are real. Those fears are very real, just like the devil is real. And something wanted to keep us on the bottom, Paul, right? Yes, it did. And um, fasten your seatbelts, gang. Paul's going to take us on a magical mystery tour about the bumpy ride on the bottom in the world of psychotropic drugs mm-hmm. and celebrity privilege. Yes. Among other things. And a dash of intervention. There we go. For dessert. Be right back. Paul W. Toby C. The Fourth Dimension. Evil Resistance During Early Recovery. imagination to take us places we might be afraid to go. You are entering the fourth dimension with Toby C. There is no such thing as coincidences. Here's Toby. Okay, Paul. Tell us, Paul, about what it was like to be a a young man being rejected um, as far as your own identity and who you were because you were always referred to as Joseph Wamba's son. Okay? Yes. It was very lonely. Yeah. And, um, And certainly, let me ask you this, is it possible that this loneliness could have caused some form of depression? Of course it did. All right. And, um, and you, and we've already acknowledged that, you know, down the road, you were finally diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but, uh, you know, sprinkle a little depression and bipolar and you got a, you got a, a, an interesting combination that many people suffer from, but they don't know it. And those around them don't know it. And were you medicated? Did they get you some, 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 some help, some, some counseling? Any, you know, for the. Toby, for the first, I'm going to say, two dozen psychiatrists that I had seen throughout my life, they all told myself and my parents that this guy's just a garden variety alcoholic because alcohol is a depressant. Mm-hmm. So if he just gets off the booze, his depression will lift. His manic behavior will, not, will subside because he won't be apt 
to be so grandiose and to try to become somebody he's not. And so that all of his, all of those negative behaviors will diminish greatly if he just gets off the booze. Mm -hmm. But that's absolutely incorrect. When I get off the booze, then my problems really start. Mm -hmm. How interesting. You are almost self-medicating in a, in a real true sense. Yes. You had a problem and, and you found the solution and it wasn't just an emotional solution. This is a, this is a psychiatric solution, if you will. How about that? Would you agree? I would agree 100%. <sighs> Take a deep breath, man. And so alcohol, the spirits, was the devil in the alcohol, Paul? Absolutely. And um, did you ever experience the DTs? Of course, numerous times. And uh, did you ever have any any horrific visions in the DTs? Yes, I had horrific visions in the DTs, and I've I've also had horrific visions even just when I was, you know, in blackouts, yeah. that I couldn't decipher between reality and the devil. Mm-hmm. But a lot of bad things happened. And, and by the way, this is in this was all in early recovery. Yes. You had been to, you know, you know, dozens, literally dozens of institutions and rehabs and hospitals, you name it, Paul's been there, okay? So a man could afford it for one thing, okay? Mm-hmm. Want to take care of him, get him first class treatment. Of course it was the wrong kind of treatment. Yeah. We're gonna get to that. So uh, I mean you were a pig in a poke, Paul. You know, you were really, really in a, in a tough spot. Um, out of the seven deadlies, you know, does uh, um, gluttony, sloth, lust, greed, envy, anger, pride, you know, pick a sin. Do you think any of these sins were a result of, of this, this, um, this troubled childhood you had? And what, what sin do you think you leaned on? What do you think? I, I really leaned on uh, pride, false pride. And lust and greed would be the three that I would, that were the most profound for me. What about anger? Oh, didn't I say anger? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Anger was right up there. Yes. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that one slipped. Maybe, maybe I'm in denial. Hey, but that's okay. Uh, we, yes. we, we, we already pre-rehearsed this. And, yes. And I'm telling you, gang, anger, <laughs> anger was at, you know, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't pride that headed the procession. It was the anger. It was anger. Of course. It's, yes, it's, it's still pervasive. Come on. If you, if you take something away from a child, they're going to be probably confused at first, and then they're going to be disappointed, and then they're going to be what? Angry. There it is. That's right. And um, I was very angry. And you let the devil in, didn't you? I sure did. And um, and you felt the nearness of Satan, didn't you? Of course. And Satan revealed himself to you, didn't he? Absolutely. You want to give us a, a good, quick uh, um, exploitation, a, a good visitation? Uh, one time after after my brother was killed, I actually uh, I moved in. To the, with the family of the other boy who was killed with my brother. And because my dad, after I went to identify the, their dead bodies in Tijuana, Mexico, when I came back, my dad, I, I was late and coming back like a day late because I went on a bender. I, was, I got drunk. 
And so my dad gave me an ultimatum. He said, hey, you can either go to the mental hospital tomorrow. All right. Hold that thought, all right? We're going to be right back with Paul W. He's just jamming on his first of several ghost stories now here in the fourth dimension with Toby C. Talking about evil resistance, the crazy, evil, negative things that happened to us in early recovery. You know, not on the spiral down, but once we hit the bottom, we want to get better. These things just keep hitting us right and left. Back right with Paul W. on Toby C. on the fourth dimension. Making sense out of nonsense. Making you as curious and uncomfortable as possible with the truth. You've landed in the fourth dimension with Toby C. Paul's gonna finish up his TJ story. I mean it was it was it was traumatic and, and demonic. I'll tell you, if you're just joining us midstream here on the fourth dimension with Toby C, we are talking about evil resistance that so many people experience in early recovery. This is not a drunkalog radio show. You know, we're not going to be talking about all the crazy evil stuff that we do when we're under the influence as much as the, the evil um, experiences that we have. And they are external, right, Paul? Yeah, absolutely. They're external, and, and they do happen, and, and it's called the bondage of self. It's being trapped in, 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 in Satan's snare, and we're going to be talking about that. Continue on the TJ story. You just lost your brother, and, and you're, you're, you're drinking, you're traumatized. Now you got more reason than ever to drink and use and, and, and just, just stay pickled. What happened in TJ? Continue. Well, when I identified their bodies, it was uh, just, well, they drove off a 200-foot cliff you can, in a Jeep with no top or seatbelt, so you can imagine what they must have looked like. And the father of the other boy was there to identify the two bodies, uh, and and my dad kicked me out of the house that night. We were living over at the Vintage Club. And <clears throat> when I got home, he said, David, you're crazy for taking so long to get home. I'm, and uh, and I, so you either got to go to the mental hospital tomorrow or you, you're out of the house. You're on skid row and you're just going to wind up drinking yourself to death. And I said, I'd rather just drink myself to death. So I went to skid row and somehow the father of the other boy who was killed found out I was living on Skid Row. So he found me and said, you can move in with us. So I moved in with them. And right away, the his wife, who I believe was um, one of Satan's representatives, she was started seducing me. And I wound up uh, sleeping with this lady. And as soon as I, when I, when I was in the act of doing so, I looked at her and it, she didn't look like, not only did she not look like the same person who, she looked like formerly, but she looked like some type of a of a, a monster that you see in these paintings of of Satan and his disciples. Mm-hmm. Like it, she did, she looked not human, mm-hmm. uh, noticeably, very noticeably. So an apparition, an apparition, absolutely. This yes, is after having you. slept with your brother's friend's mother. 
Correct. After the two of them were killed in this horrific accident. And uh, what's going on with that? Well, th- what happened is that the very that later that night after that happened, I said, ma'am, you have to get out of, you have to get out of this room. You're, you know, I'm scared. You're scaring me. And so she left. And as soon as she left, a voice, an audible voice told me, you just killed these people. And I was like, I don't know. I, what, who, I, I was looking around the room like, who's talking to me? And I said, killed who? She said, he said, this voice, a male voice, you know, just said in a deep voice, you killed these people. And so was that God or was that Satan? It was Satan. And what people was Satan talking about, Paul? The mother and the father. There you go. So what happened then, Paul? The father was an admiral in the Navy. He ran an aircraft carrier, actually, in San Francisco. And a week later, when he was driving back to San Francisco, he had a massive heart attack and died. And a month after that, the lady, she was a type 1 diabetic. She she took too much insulin, and I believe she intentionally overdosed on insulin. And committed suicide. Committed suicide. By insulin. Yes. Wow. And And I remember that voice telling me that... So you knew this was coming. So you so you participated coming. in some kind of an evil yes. uh, triangulation, and 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 you were told what was to come, and and you, and you experienced just that, and it was evil. Absolutely. Wow. And you know things like that have happened mm-hmm. in my life since. Yeah. Now, by the way, let's talk about the voice. The voice. Now, you've been in and out of rehabs and hospitals an awful lot, Paul. And uh, and you were telling me, you know, early on when we were when we were talking about the highlights of our show that we're going to do about the voice. And um, describe the voice, where the voice came from. Do you feel, and what did the voice tell you? Well, the voice. I can drink that voice away, by the way. When, I'm, when I drink, when I'm drunk, that voice goes away. And that's one of the reasons that I drank. Because when I'm sober, when I'm in early recovery, and even middle recovery, and even later in recovery, I have, an, uh, there's an audible voice that comes to my mind, and I don't know if it's my bipolar disorder, but I choose to think it's not. Yeah. No? I do not. I believe it's, it's, a, it's an evil entity that is external that is a voice in my head whenever i'm you know moving forward staying sober trying to live in the sunlight of the spirit yeah living with god and what yeah. he would like me to do thank you you know what you're describing paul you're describing a the real battle the real evil battle that happens not only in recovery but in the world about us okay mm-hmm. is is this uh there's this um, we, the, the greatest trick that the devil plays on humanity is getting everybody to believe he doesn't exist. That, uh, that it's, it's our insanity that's evil and that it's our minds that are evil. And it's that methamphetamine is the devil and we can just go on and on. Okay. But, uh, but no. Okay. Uh, alcohol, uh, you know, opens up a channel for, for evil intercession and interference. Possession. Possession. 
And uh, you hit the nail on the head. I was going to say, you know, we talked earlier that, you know, you know, maybe you're untreated bipolar. You were treating that with alcohol and alcohol abuse, okay? Among other reasons, because you had a darn good reason to drink, too, all right? But, but maybe it wasn't, you know? Maybe there was a real, maybe you had finally, as they say, just gotten so dark that you placed yourself beyond human aid that you placed yourself in the dominion of the devil. What do you think? I'm sure I did. Because not too long ago, <clears throat> we're talking just uh, uh, six years ago or so when I sobered up for the last time. And I, I'm, I'm Catholic. I go to, go to a church here in, in the desert. And, and a few evil things had happened to me. And these are from, these are very external things that happened. And I went to the priest, the main priest over there, and I asked him, Father... Do you is there real evil like on earth? Is is there true evil like is in or people around me? Could they be evil? Could the devil be here like is in the form of people or and such? And he said, "Well, David, how much do you believe in God?" I said, "I believe in God with all my heart. You know, I come to church every Sunday. I represent the. I love God and I love coming to church. And this is who I am now." And he said, "Well, listen to this. Just as much as you believe is that God's out here and external." And among you and, and in you, you better believe that just as much the devil is right there with him. Yeah. And so the devil, the devil, did the devil give you any hope, Paul, or did the devil strip you of your hope and, and leave you hopeless? The devil's crushed me, crushed my spirit, crushed my will to live, crushed my will to achieve anything. Crushed your will to get sober, crushed your will to stay sober. Yes. I was hopeless. He rendered me hopeless all, every all the time. And were you looking back now? Do you think that so much of this uh, this evil interference was kind of in your blind spot because maybe you're too busy blaming him or her, sure, or it? Yes, I was blaming my parents for all of all of my self-imposed disasters yeah. and all the evil things that took place. Ah. And blaming ourselves. Yeah, of course. There you go. And this terrible, uh, this this terrible shame. Oh my goodness! Oh, yeah. So many of us come in with this 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 uh, this cross of shame that we're dragging around. Yes. But there it is. But but outside of that, there is one other party to to look at and to blame. And what party is that? It's the devil, mm. right? Yes. Sir. I often say it's the you know keep an eye out for the snake. Yeah. All right. Um, because the devil is real. And, and by the way, let's bring it back now home to recovery. That recovery, at least the 12-step movement, like many other recovery programs, are to allow us to get out of self and to adopt a, a conscious contact with a power greater than ourselves. Ah, That's right. When you started to move toward trying to establish that conscious contact with a power greater than yourself. Did Satan give you one last visit and really work you? What do you think? Absolutely. Do you recall that? Do you recall that, 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 that latest, that la the last kick in the, in the, you know what, in the groin Yeah. before, before you got to describe it. Actually, that was, that happened to be with not in so early recovery, because as I said, it, it's, it happens at least to me it, throughout recovery and in my life. And just in, in early recovery, it's more powerful. And as, as I come in, came into closer contact with God 
as I understand him and how he and doing what how he would like me to do and be and act. Well, it still occurs. Just he's, his voice isn't as strong. And the last time this happened was when I my one of my most recent interventions I did was one on a lady from uh, Pasadena, and I could tell when I first saw her that she was not the person who was dry, was self she was not driven um by her own heart by her own mind she was driven by something else by the devil was she possessed she oh, but, was possessed yeah by the way you didn't the little segue here paul uh, part of his recovery he is an interventionist and you want to talk about having some evil experiences you know from from a you know from a, 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 a you know a detached perspective my goodness but tell us about this person that you were working with. And, and she was possessed, yes? She absolutely was possessed because although she was drunk, I've, I had known her for uh, 50 years, no, about over 45 years. I'd known her from the time I was in sixth grade or fourth grade maybe yeah. in elementary school. And when I showed up at her door, she literally didn't recognize me. Yeah. And it wasn't her not recognizing me. The devil didn't recognize me as being who I was. Is that something? By the way... As I recall, this person was diagnosed with paranoia schizophrenia, I believe. And, you know, um, when you deal with people like this person and others, have you ever just uh, talked to the person and you're, you're not talking to the person, you're, de- you're talking to something possessing their, their soul? A hundred percent. You're like having a conversation with the devil. Absolutely. This and, lady. And, and the devil's talking to you. Yeah. I mean, this that's what happened with this woman. When, well, obviously, it was not her. I was talking to somebody else, not this woman, who I've known my whole life. And and I, as I started to understand, oh, this isn't even her. This isn't even the lady I know. This is somebody else inside her. She sounded, she had a very deep voice. And she. Interesting. So you didn't even hear her voice. I did not hear her voice. (laughs) Ha, how about that for a ghost story? All right, we're going to be right back, mashing out another ghost story of evil resistance and early recovery. I'm Toby C. here today with Paul W., son of renowned author, best-selling author, and movie producer, Joseph Wamba. We're going to be right back, talking to this interventionist from hell, or from heaven, if you will. Be right back. testimonies about the evil influences interfering in our most desperate and hopeful moments in life. Here's Toby. So this gal that you were working with and working on, um, when you had a conversation with her, she wasn't answering back, was she? No. Who was answering you back? I'm convinced it was the devil. She was, looking, she was looking through me. She was not looking in my eyes. She was looking through me, like into my soul. Yeah. It was frightening. Yeah. And was she speaking in her voice? It was not her voice. 
it was she you know she's a little dainty thing with sort of a high voice and she, this person talking sa- sound like a truck driver it sounded like a truck driver <laughs> smoked two packs a day <laughs> i don't mean to laugh but i'll tell you there it is yeah you know, it was and again hey gang the reason why we're bringing this up with paul and others is you got to know that um, that that so many of us in early recovery, we place ourselves beyond human aid. We need to have what's known as that vital spiritual experience. We have to acquire something called God consciousness. And something doesn't want us to acquire that, that God consciousness. How about that? But you did, Paul. You did finally acquire that God consciousness. I think about six or seven years ago, mm-hmm. you finally... You know, you, you, you got a lucky break and the planets lined up for you and you got a chance to really get a hold of this thing. And, and I would imagine part of you getting this thing, and yes, people out there, you can get this thing. Part of Paul's getting this thing involves service work. That's right. And, and a lot of people do evolve into counseling and other forms of, of drug and alcohol recovery service work, but yours was was tailored for interventions. That's right. Yeah. All right. We can't, come on. You've got to give us a couple of good, a couple of good intervention nuggets about some really weird things that happened to people that you were having a discussion with Satan. Well, can, can I continue with this? Sure. So I'll tell you what happened with, with her. So I finally, after, usually interventions take me maybe two or three hours. This took me upwards of two days. And I, and I was staying in the same house with Satan for those two days. And it was, it was frightening. Was it like an exorcism? It was, it was like an exorcism. Yeah. Finally, finally, I was able to get her in the car after two days. You broke her and got her in? I broke her and got her in. Satan got tired. Yeah. And I got her. Went, and so I showed up at this treatment facility out in the desert. And all of a sudden, so they, we were, I said, okay, we're here. Let's go. And so the, she said, I can't walk. So I had, went in and had the people in the facility bring out a wheelchair, and she she was attempting to get out in, out of the car and into the wheelchair, and she was act she acted as she was she just went limp her body her whole body went limp could not she was and the people are like Dave I, she might be uh, to uh, a higher level of care than we can provide her, and I was like no she's fine she can walk, and they said well look at her she can't walk she's like limp as a noodle. And then I said, Vicky, tell him you can walk. And then she went, and then she went, uh, excuse me. She, uh, she couldn't talk. So she wouldn't, talk, she couldn't walk and she couldn't talk. And these people said that you're going to have to put her in another facility. And keep in mind, I knew <clears throat> that she was possessed. And so those people walked away and I said, listen to me very carefully. I said, I'm in charge here. And if you don't walk, and if you don't talk to these people, I give you my word. I'm going to leave you right here on this sidewalk, and it's 115 degrees, and I will leave you here, and nobody's going to pick you up. And her deepest instinct for survival finally, finally woke up. Overrode her self, her self-preservation overrode what Satan was doing to her. Yeah. And all of a sudden, she could walk, and she could talk. By the way... This woman, we talked about this before, was diagnosed. She was misdiagnosed for one thing, and thank goodness that you were, you, because she was, I think she was diagnosed as bipolar, and you happened to know a little bit about it personally. 
and, and come to learn that she was not bipolar, but rather she was paranoid schizophrenic. That's correct. And, and what an interesting area, because a lot of people might blame um, evil possession and living in sin and inviting Satan into our, our lives and into our hearts. They might just blame that on, on, on some psych, psychotic uh, malady like paranoid schizophrenia. It's kind of interesting that people who, who abuse methamphetamine often slip into a state of paranoid uh, schizophrenia. And I've heard meth referred to as the devil. Yes. But anyway, so continue. What happened? So we, <clears throat> with her, I got her into treatment and she, she stayed her 28 days. And then we were, and when I picked her up after treatment to put her in sober living, uh, her voice was different. Her voice, she sounded like a female this time. And we were on the way to the sober living home and she, we were at a stoplight and these, these ravens up in a palm tree were cawing. And she said, do you hear that, Paul? And I said, hear what? She said, those ravens, they're laughing at me. I said, no, they're not laughing at you. They just, that's what they do. They caw. She said, no, they're laughing at me. And if you don't be honest with me, there's no way I can work with you, Paul. I said, okay, well, I'm going to let that one slide. But I was thinking, is this, I mean, is she serious? Or is she kidding me? And she was dead serious. And then we, I finally got her to the, uh, to the sober living home. And we got out of the car. And she went mute again. And the lady said, introduced herself. And she said, nice to meet you. And, and uh, this lady, the, my client, she looked at me instead of looking at the lady. And she didn't say a word. And I said, this woman's trying to talk to you. Can you please answer her question and say hello to her? She's standing right in front of us. <laughs> and she wouldn't say a word. And so the lady said, well, would you like to see the home? And, and my client just stood there next to my car and didn't make a move. And what, and what did Satan say? Satan told her to stay there. Satan told her, don't go in that house. Because that's what she told me. She said, Satan told her, don't go in that house. There you go. Evil's in that house when evil was not in that house. There you go. So I walked in that house and it was fine. Yeah. And I, and the lady said, you know what? I don't think this is going to be a good fit for her because something, you know, if she doesn't, is afraid to walk into the house, she might not want to be here. And I said, let me give you, let me have a minute with her, please. So we went back to my car, we got in and I left the, I left the windows up and the car off and it's 115 degrees out. And I said, listen to me. Satan. Yes. I said, as I said the day I dropped you off at primary treatment. This is do or die. I said, if you don't respect this lady and answer her questions and participate, and she's trying to help you, she's one of the good guys, good women. So if you don't talk to her and interact with her, I will leave you in this driveway, and I will not come back to get you, and you do not have a phone, and nobody's going to help you. Do you understand me? And did Satan leave? Satan left that day. And she recovered. She recovered. She kicked the evil one out of her house and invited God, a conscious God, a loving God into her heart. Correct. How about that? Nice ending here, Paul. And she had a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Beautiful. What a nice ending. The Fourth Dimension with Toby C. mashing out ghost stories and stories of evil resistance during early recovery. Thanks, Paul. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Come and join us again, gang. If you want to really get better in early recovery, keep an eye out for the evil one. <laughs>